the the UN bar? Like, how yeah. did that come about? What so, did you go there for? What did you say? Who? What? So I never left the country by myself ever. No. I would have to travel on a plane 22 hours halfway around the world by myself. It's the exact other side of the world. Yeah, that was one of the most proudest moments in my life. Yeah, man. I can like, imagine, bro. After I finished the speech, I was on that much of a high. Like, and I had a fucking joint in the United Nations. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, how did this happen, man? Like, I yeah. never planned it, I never mapped it out. Hey, welcome back. It's a new episode. I'm Spanian. This is The Search. I'm here with my brother, Kena Mundane. This one, the brothers I grew up with. Uh, he's, he was raised in Redfern. Lived a life much like mine. Uh, drug addiction, a lot of jail. That sort of life, a lot of criminality. Went on, started his own charity, done some amazing things he'll tell you about. Um, First, I heard he speaking in front of the UN. I'm in, I'm in jail spinning out like, but this, this lad speaking in front of the UN. What, what the hell? Anyway, this is my brother. Meet my how are you, brother? Nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. So first thing I heard, bro, sitting in Bathurst, sitting with the boys, they're telling me, Kenan's a mentor now. Kenan's bloody, he's helping this lad. He's doing this thing in the community. And I was thinking, bro, what do you mean? Next minute I see you on, what was it, NITV? Yeah. That's where I would have seen you on, eh? Yeah. NITV, bro. And I'm, I spun out, bro, and I got out. All the boys, like, I think just when I got out, that's when I seen, it was 2017. Is that when you were speaking in front of UN or yeah. 2018? Yeah, around Yeah, there. Yeah, bro. And I got out and I seen him. Tell me, tell me, like, how'd this come about, bro? Because we grew up together. Yeah. All right? You grew up down Redfern, down the block. Tell me, bro, how, how, how you grew up? Far out, man. I, I, I grew up, like, on the block um, in the early 90s, man. And at that time, um, there was a lot of stuff happening in my community. Um, but I was just surrounded by a lot of family and a lot of other, you know, mob and, and, and people at that time. I was the youngest of three boys and I, I lived on Lewis Street. Um, man, there was a lot of drugs, there was a lot of violence, there was a lot of crime, there was a lot of police presence. Um, but at that time, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to grow up in any other community, man. That's where I felt safe. No. I had my older brothers, I had my cousins. Um, on Lewis Street, there was about, what, 20 to 30 houses and there was a lot of boys my age you know yeah. we grew up you know like at at the start when it was all like nobody really wanted to come down Redfern at that time yeah 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 there was yeah. not much doors on the, on, on the houses yeah, windows were broken graffiti everywhere um and that and like at the at the start you know man because bro like I never went down there until like the, the first time I ever went down there I think I was like 15 I think it was about two thousand, nah, about two thousand two, so sixteen. Yeah. But I can't even imagine. And even then, in two thousand and two, people were saying, "Bro, you should have seen it ten years ago." So, like when you were going up there, you know. And in two thousand and two, it was like how you're saying. But people then were saying, "Bro, you should have seen it ten years ago." And Lewis Street was off chops. Yeah, yeah, bro. And 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 you know, growing up in an environment like that, man, like as a child, you shouldn't be exposed to those things. You know, watching people um injecting drugs in the streets, watching people overdose, watching police raid houses. Um, this was like a normal thing, and 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 my reality. And I thought every kid in every community sees what I see. And then at a young age, um, my, my mother passed away. Um, and not long after my mum passed away, my father passed away. So I went through a lot of stuff um, early on and I've seen a lot of things that most children don't see. But most imagine. of the kids on my, mm. my in my community seen it. Because um, you were actually a kid down the block. Yeah, I was like a kid, I, man. You didn't just like, 
hit the streets and levitate to the block. You were a kid there. Yeah, born like, and raised, man. Yeah, born bro. and raised. I, I was um I was born in King George Hospital, Camperdown, and yeah. I lived on Everly Street and I lived on Lewis Street. And then after losing both of my parents, um, my family struggled to sort of keep me and my two older siblings together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was separated from them after that. And I went out to live um <laughs> in a little community out in La Perouse for a couple of years. Did you? Um, well, how old were you then? Eight, nine years old. Oh, yeah, old, yeah, 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 yeah. So before I knew you. Before, I was thinking in my head, I didn't nah. know that. So well before and I knew And then that's you. when yeah, I came back. Yeah, so yeah. so when, when when we all sort of connected up and old buddy in the studio with us was like 2001. So I, I was, uh, what, about 13 and 14, man, and my, my brain was developing. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to make sense of my experience. Yeah. I wanted to connect with my older brothers and I found out that they were down at the block at they that were, time. Yeah, down there. Yep. And... Nobody would get me to them. So I went, you know what? I'll jump on a bus. I jumped on a bus on Anzac Parade. I walked out. I think it was at the end of year eight. But who, um, who, sorry, who are you staying with in Lapa? Staying with family out Family, there. all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what, and one day you just thought, um, that's it. I just went, going you know back. what? I'm going, I'm going to look for my brothers. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my place where I felt safe and familiar, even though it was chaotic and crazy and there was a lot of things going on down there. Like my family was down there, my aunties were down there, yeah. my brothers were there, you know, boys that I grew up with, that I played football yeah, with, yeah, that yeah. I went to school with, that I went to preschool with, yeah. everything that, kept me safe yeah. um was taken from me so i went back there man at just after the olympics and that's when the heroin second sort of wave of the heroin epidemic hit and yeah. that's when there was lines up from the middle of the yeah. lane all the way up to the station yeah, just yeah, to yeah, buy yeah. caps um and i found my brother man and he was heavily involved and man that's where where, where my life sort of that's where i came entered the criminal justice yeah. system and started you know hanging around the boys and it was the boys that taught me how to survive on the street, how to take care of myself, yeah. how to put money in my pocket, yeah, how to put yeah. food in my tummy. Um, unfortunately, those were the skills that got us in contact uh, with the police. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when, you know, I came back and we started doing the stuff we did on the streets, man. Well, where were you staying when you went back there? I was staying family? Or just I floating? did have family and, and you know, they were, they were present and yeah. um, they had their own kids and their own, like, stuff going on at that time and yeah. couldn't really sort of like support me and give me what I needed. Yeah, yeah. So, but I also had um, a bit of a conscience and I sort of stayed away from them once I started, you know, doing yeah. crime and taking drugs. And yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't want to put that burden on them and I didn't, yeah. didn't want to take it home because I had little cousins and that in the house. So yeah. I would just wander the streets all night, house hopping, yeah. Wallow, yeah, Ashfield, 100%. you know, McDonald Town, yeah, yeah. going to the boys' house, sleep wherever I can. And I was sort of like, I was homeless, man. I was living out of a backpack. So That's in the space sick. of like three months, I left school, streets. What age is this? 13? 14, 13, 14, 14 yeah. yeah. Left school, started drinking, bonging, thieving, yeah. went to Cobham for the first time. Yeah. And that, that became my life, man, for a very, very long time. 100, and, eh? How long, yeah. how long until the, how long until the norm thing to do was jump on the ego? Fuck, I think like fifteen. Yeah, not even. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah. I was, I, 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 like, it started off. Yeah, like I said, drinking. Yeah, and then like smoking bongs with Same the boys. Same with me, bongs, drinking, yeah. doing a couple little fun things, trying it, and the next thing on the sneer gay, yeah. boom. But, you know, when we're in the house, you know, the boys over there are just smoking green. Yeah. The boys over there are doing the heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it just like naturally progressed but from it's, that. It was the norm. It that was, was expected. It. That's yeah. how I always try to explain it to people. It's like when they say, like, how could you be, like, 15 years old on the year? And I say, but it's the norm. Yeah. It's like, you know, in other hoods, like, you know, you go behind and smoke bungers. It's the norm. It's what you do. But that was the norm. Yeah. It's like you're looking up to the older boys. That's what they do. 
You know what I mean? That's how I felt yeah. anyway, bro. You know what I mean? I think now I have a bit of experience and the only way to sort of explain it to them is the same way sort of normal kids go and do party drugs, but these were our party drugs. Yeah. That's, we didn't that's get a on bad the example. Pingers, yeah. We didn't get on the rack. We didn't right. get on MDMA. You know, No one did. Because of all the stuff that yeah, was around right. us and yeah. we learned that from the older boys. Yeah, 100. So that, that was it, man. And then 15 started like smoking. Every day blazing, yep. and I I think I didn't find out <laughs> that I that I had a habit until like I got arrested, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the first time you got snagged out <laughs> on that, because <laughs> <laughs> it was like you know like you went to Cobham, yeah, you're hanging in Cobham, yeah. <sighs> but you remember in Cobham when you used to hang, but they used to look after you. Remember the nurse would come, bring yeah. your ice cold cordial, bring your feet, sit a feet, not like ALJ. They <laughs> like look after you. you they know come, what I mean? they sit with you. They, they make sure you're right. Take your temperature every five minutes. <laughs> But that's good. Thinking back, bro. They cared. They, they actually they, cared, They've done bro. what they could. They've done what they could. Particularly for us boys that were taking a lot of substances, man. They, 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 Did you have to sit up your elbow? Yeah. Your elbow. That's yeah. what I always remember. I went there like, boom, sitting up your elbow, just dying in a cell. Cold, yeah, with the fluoro light on. The fluoro. <laughs> and then, like, the, just shining in and elbow coming around with a torch every 15 yeah. minutes, making sure I have a neck up. Yeah. Your elbow's um, a wing at Cobham, Juvenile Justice Centre. <laughs> Cobham's a juvenile justice centre. It's like the remand centre, reception centre for under-18s for the whole Sydney area. So that's what we're talking about, like a reception wing at that place. And um, obviously, if you're hanging out off heroin, then um, you just got to stay there. You know what I mean? They don't let you with everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, bruv. That's said, I. But that's how it sort of, like, for my progression, man, into, into harder drugs was, like, being in the house, being around the older boys, watching yeah. what they do, how they move, and, you know, yeah, we yeah, just yeah. emulate what we see, that's listening exactly to how right. they're making money. Yeah. They're not going to show us how they're making all that money, yeah, so we yeah. listen to it. We yeah, go do it yeah, trial and yeah, error ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, we do yeah. it tri trial and error because exactly. they had a bit of respect where they wouldn't show us things, but yeah. they talk around us. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> So we knew. Well, then I come back with the honey, man. We just learned this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. Lock that in Let's the big bank. Yeah. <laughs> um, far out. But that, that, that for me, like, was my sort of start of life, man. Yeah. And, and, and to end up in that space at 15, it took me another 15 years to come out of that sort of headspace and, and to understand what I've seen, and what so I've been so through. From that age, for 15, from like first, like, juvie, jumping yeah. on the iris. The, the entire fair to say I already know yeah. I, you know what I mean but fair to say like just the entire time in jail and juvie little pockets yeah. here and there out yeah um, I think far out man so up until when you heard about when I went to the UN man I never spent more than like six weeks in the streets yeah. so from 15 I spent my 15th birthday yeah. in the boys home 16 I was out in Redfern I remember yeah. it I was on the block I was hanging out mm. and my older brother was with me and Oh, it was a very hard day. Yeah. And then I spent 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 inside. Yeah. 23 out, 24, 25 inside. You're talking about birthdays? Yeah. But do you have this weird thing where you remember you were every birthday? Yeah. Bro, I don't know why, but like every birthday I can name the same. Like all, nearly all the same. I had like two birthdays out and I used to pride myself on it. I don't know. Like you'd say like, bro, like, you know, after so many years jail, you'd meet the younger lad and say, bro, I only had two birthdays out, bro. If you, 16th I was in Cobham, uh, 19th I was in uh, Kempsey, but I remember everywhere I was every birthday. I don't know why, but yeah, it's crazy, eh? But but look, this is the most. This is something that I don't know. I'm learning here, yeah. so this is not something like we've talked about before. This is genuine. I'm learning here. 
So I had my moment, right? I had my moment. Yeah, have a look at me, bro. Look at me, look at me, lad. You know what I mean? I've had my moments too. Well, if you know, stop that life. But like, so my moment, like, you know, I won't get into it, but I just like one day looked in the mirror. There's stories about that. I'm not going to get into it now. But I looked in the mirror and it just changed my life. And then I just went, and I always wondered like, bro, like how did you go from our life, that life, all the boys' life, next minute you're, Doing charities, you and this. How is the how, bar? Like, I, I don't even know how, but I think the, for me, for, he was there when it, when, it, when, it, when it happened. Sorry for pointing off camera, but um, so and I ended, Gordy, yeah, Gordy Sydney is watching us. He's one of the boys sitting here. He's saying Gordy, bar. Gordon um, Simpson. He wants to be famous or so say his name, Gordon Simpson, yeah, big go famous him, criminal. Give him a shout out, give yeah, him a yeah, like, run yeah, it up. Yeah. <laughs> say hello, bro. Say hello. Yeah, he's shy now, but anyway, yeah. Um, so, what, 2000 and, 2010, man, I went back in. Um, I had like three years parole. So I done four. So when I went in at 18, yeah. I got like seven years. I done four. Um, I got my parole and I came home in 2010. Man, I was still homeless. I didn't have a bank account, didn't have a Facebook, didn't know how to use an email. And I just went straight back into what I knew. I lasted about four months. And I went back in for something like not petty, but it lasted I, out for four months. Yeah, yeah that was right. the longest time. But I was, yep. I was still. But like, you were trying? Nah. Oh, you weren't trying. Nah. You're just not. But I think you yeah, caught yeah, for yeah. four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight. <laughs> right. um, so you went good. Yeah, yeah. Four months is eight. But I, but I came undone for something I did. Like I leaned over the counter and grabbed some money, and I wasn't thinking and yeah. like cameras and got yeah, me. So yeah, they yeah. breached my parole. And I went back in, man, and I still had like three years parole. So I got six months in the local court, and I'm sitting in a C class at Long Bay thinking, far, I only yeah. have to do six months and I'm going to go home. Was know? that 16 wing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do six months and I'm going to go home. And then parole come and said, nah, this overrides your parole. You've got to do 12 months. Oh, yeah. All right. So I sat back. I'd done me 12 months. Then they hit me with a technicality and pushed some things back. I ended up spending another two years in. No way. Yeah, just for just for a six-month custodial yeah, sentence. Yeah, yeah. And because of like, some of the things yeah, yeah, that yeah. I got up to in jail. Right, um, yep. And I got out from Kempsey in 2012 and like at that time i accepted my life man as as a as what was i where did you get the chemsey you got, got tipped. tipped you got tipped i yeah. lost i lost my c2 yeah. so i stuffed up at minimum security c class so what he means mm -hmm. is like privileged low yeah. security you stuff around in there you, they up your security classification got sent to chemsey yeah. bodgy jail up in the northern uh north coast of new south wales <laughs> yeah they found some contraband in my cell and they took my c class off me gave me a segra water Funny enough, I'd done Segra at that time. Me and yep. Django was in there together. Yep, yep. And then as soon as I came out of Segra, they chucked me on a, on a truck to Kempsey and they gave me my parole when I was in Kempsey. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? But I didn't want to do anything. I was like, fuck the world. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm 22 years old, finished school at year eight, don't have a HSC. 22? Yeah, never worked oh, in yeah. my life. And I came, I got out and I run into someone at Central um, somebody who, yeah, I'll remain nameless, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he owed me um, a few things and <laughs> I got what I needed yeah. and I hit the ground running, man. Like I went straight into Central, 
yeah, had yeah, a shot, right. took some Zennies, yeah, yeah. went to Foot Locker, bought some shoes and clothes, and I was on the corner in Waterloo, like, charging up. How'd you get back from Kempsey, bro? On the XPT. Ex- on train, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was drinking on the corner. And, and What do you mean? So when you got out from Kempsey, you seen him there then? At Central. So you got it, you done your lag, and yeah. you got out from Kempsey on a train, you got off at Central, and then boom. Yeah, I was So like, you haven't even been home? Nah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was still in, like, no, the clothes that I got the arrested you got, Yeah, arrested. That's why I went, yeah. done my, whatever I needed to do in Carrying the toilet. Carrying your photos? Yeah, straight to Foot Locker, <laughs> brand new clothes, threw them cunts in the fucking, yep. in the bin and got yep. rid of them straight away. Um, And I was drinking, it, like, in Waterloo. This is the time when I met my wife, man, yep, now. Yep, 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 man. Man, I was, like, out for five weeks. I think I remember about five minutes of it. Yep. Um, But I committed an offence, man, under the influence that I don't remember. Uh, like, I walked up and I, hit some poor bloke yep. and I went back to jail and because I still had a little bit of parole and I got charged with the robbery within seven days man I was like went through went to Darcy went to Tempod got Classo and down off. Goulburn yeah, yeah, yeah. straight to Goulburn no way and I'm like I'm just back in jail because he's seen because he's got parole to serve so when you go in on new charges if you've got parole to serve you're treated as a sentenced inmate so you don't float around Sydney jails you can go off the streets through the police cells to a reception centre and sometimes get classified and sent away to a maximum security centre's jail seven days you're on the streets and now he's in Goldwood, Maxo. Seven days. Yeah, and yeah. Gordy was down there, the silly cunt. But the, but I went and like this was my first taste of Bathurst. This is the most horrendous, putridest prison I've ever been in in my life. And Bathurst or Goldwyn? Goldwyn. Not Goldwyn. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. nearly took my soul, man. Oh no way. So I went down there and and seeing the way that they um, run the prison down there, they segregate us all down there by yeah. by Nasho. So I was only in the curry yard with other brothers and. Yeah. Like that was the end of the line, bro. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. You know, if, if I don't, if I don't like, I got a taste of it now, and like just the living conditions, and it was just horrendous yeah. and torturous, man. I was like, fuck. I, I was like having a shower, and two brothers who were cellmates were serving life sentences. Like looked over and said, nephew, you know, between us, we got over like fifty years. And I went, oh fuck, <laughs> like. Nah. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. Is that a joke? Is that a statement? Yeah. And I went, fuck, that's going to be me, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just, you heard how how, how my circumstances was as a child, man. Yeah. I was just surviving. Yeah. And that was like, the epiphany was like, if I don't do something different, like I'm being molded yeah, yeah. to live a life in prison with oh, these guys. Sure. Why am I here? You know, my head was spinning like seven days ago. I was on the street. Now I'm in the shower yeah, with yeah, 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 sharing yeah, yarns yeah. like that. My head, like, bro. So the shock of how quick that happened, and to be off the streets, to be put in front of uncles that are there saying, "This is us. This is our life." But they wouldn't have even said it. Were they saying it a preachy way, or they just randomly they said it? Oh, they were joking. They were having a go. But because <laughs> of the height, so that, that had such an impact that yeah. that was your definitive moment. That was it, man. And yeah. I was like, if I don't do anything different, like I already know I'm homeless. I had never had a job. I didn't have a tax file number. I didn't even have a bank account. Yeah. Like I was, I was deep in That's it. How I spent most you of know, my life, bro. All of us did. <laughs> I only just got licensed. Like <laughs> wait, my first time, I was on my L's when I was 33. I was on my L's. <laughs> I still can't even drive like a proper car. I still got to buy cars that are like um, P plate legal, <laughs> full grown man, P plate legal cars. There anyway, two liters. Yeah, two yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, yeah, and, and and that was it, man. Like far out. And then I, I just said like, what? I was a little kid, man, and 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 never once did I like have a dream. My my whole sort of 
soul as a child going through all of that. I just wanted my mum, my dad. Yeah. I wanted my older brothers. I wanted my own bed. I wanted my own house. I wanted electricity in the house. I wanted food. In, like simple Crazy, things that yeah. I never was. I was in other people's houses, but it wasn't my home. Yeah, 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 it wasn't yeah. my safety. It wasn't my family. And then I was like, how did all of this happen? And here I am now. You know, what do I need to do to stop all of this? And the simplest way to put it is I needed to build a life, man. I didn't have a life. Yeah. I had no structure. I had no, um, like, pathways. I had no forward thinking. You know, I lived in the moment and I survived in the day. So I was able to put my hand up at that time and ask, like, not ask, but say to the court, you know, you keep arresting me, bringing me to these places, making me serve years upon years upon years Mm. and just letting me go back to nothing yeah i need to put some structure in place so i pled guilty to my charge and i had the opportunity to do the compulsory drug program in park Lee. Yeah. the program in itself didn't really do much for me what what it done was allowed me to do a slow release back to jail yeah. uh, back to the community yeah. and take my time and build like a and structured it, release the, hey? One day, yeah. go over, open a bank account. Yeah. The next day, go over, do tax phone number. They help like, you do that? No, nah, my, my girl at the oh. time was my mentor and held yeah. my hand and had the patience. Oh, no they just allowed me the time the and time frameworks framework. to do that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. six months, when you go there, it's box visits yeah. and Section, it's all therapeutic. Stage one? Yeah, stage one. one yeah. And you're locked in with other gooses yeah, from yeah, yeah, like, yeah. their yeah. own experience and their own jail and their own communities. And then stage two... Once you progress, they give you a little like electronic bracelet and they open the gate at six o'clock in the morning. They close at nine o'clock at night. All you got to do is sort of tell them where you're going, like so yeah, counseling yeah. here, there, and they give you a little pass and they, they give you like 10 bucks on an Opal card, man. And it's up and to you now to build whatever it is you need to stay out of the streets. And oh, they just me, that's how it is. Yeah. They've so, done, done nothing for me. They've done nothing. I've never been, but I always hear the boys just like it because you get out early. You yeah. know, the boys, they don't <laughs> care about making any they just think but you get there you're on a thing in six months you're in the streets and so half of them don't yeah. even show back up half the boys who grew up with go there and they're off you know yeah. what i mean but but i i honestly thought that they got this this mad program and they change your life nah. so bro six months in they just like here go come back at yeah night. yeah that's it and so your missus bro like yeah but they're, they're like a, and i had a high work ethic like yourself yeah. bro you know you yeah. invest in yourself and you take care of yourself and yeah. you don't fucking look look for a handout off anyone you know I had drive most of the boys that were in, so they take like only like ten boys at a time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's in, hard to get into. In yeah. stage one, um, what there was like twenty, so twenty of us. So what, they run one group while one group's waiting, yeah. and then when the boys are in stage two and they keep using or they go on places they're not, they bring them back to stage for one. like a sanction. Yeah, and you got to do like four weeks, and then you go back and you build all your privileges up. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I think only like six of us made it to stage two. So oh, no one way. jumped the fence yeah. and took off. <laughs> From stage one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. took off and made the news everything. Another medio got found with a with a phone in his cell. Yeah. So we went to muster and he had it on the charge on the, like, yeah, like yeah. just- Plugged into his TV or something. Got complacent yeah, yeah, and yeah. thinking, you know, yeah. he's not in jail no more. Yeah. <laughs> so he got sent. He yeah. got sent. Another lad went, went, went in the dings and sort of spun himself out and pulled the ripcord and yeah. said, oh, oh, no yeah, way. the boys yeah. are out to get me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when we got to stage two, like I just started like doing sort of counselling, 
connecting back with my culture, playing footy, doing all the things that I did before I turned and 14. And your help you find those places? Yeah. Where were they? Like, well, so did you do them around Blacktown, around Parkway, no. or you come back I to come back to the, I come oh. back to Redfern. Yep. Every, every, from Monday to Friday, I was on the train 7 o'clock out straight of there. Straight to Redfern. Straight to Redfern. I'd go back to the AMS. I'd go and see a counsellor at a, at a youth centre. Yeah. Um, I go. I was playing footy, so I'd do footy training on on night. Play footy on the weekend. Yeah. Go on a on, for who? On, Reffin? Nah, I was oh. playing out there for oh, a gaming, there, yeah, gaming yeah. club out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let me come in and play with oh, my well, neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing they let me do, bro, was um, they let me travel uh, and play in the knockout from there. Oh, mad! Because so because I was where, being, where, at? where was that knockout? So up in Raymond Terrace, and oh, right. yeah, I played Newcastle. for Reffin All Blacks, and we got knocked out by Minda River. But that was oh, my yeah. first. Taste in a knockout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was That's sort of mad. rebuilding my life, bro, and taking away, like, searching, looking yeah. for drugs, looking for money, fencing things, yeah. stealing things. When you remove them from your life, you've got nothing but time. Yeah. So I, I had to build too, that right? structure, yeah, and that's how yeah. I, I was able to take care of myself and go through a process of understanding my experience and healing yeah. men, you know, like healing. I. I obliterated myself from the age of 14 finding drugs, man. Mm. I, I, that was the only like relief I got from my experience. Like, my childhood was crazy and yeah. it still haunts me today. And I can't believe I'm drug free, man. Yeah. You know, that's like, crazy. Seeing the things that I saw and some kids are still living in these circumstances, yeah. but that was how I was able to build the structure out here in the community, put the people around me that aren't, Anti-social people and trying to lead me astray, and people that genuinely want me to win, man. And since then, man, it's just fucking been nothing but a dream, you know. So I'm gonna say, it's fair to say that your your wife has you been your big. She what's your wife? Yeah, you married, eh? Yeah, yeah. She your biggest teammate, mentor, uh, she's, she's teammate, more than any any colleague that, that yeah. I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that's mad. Like this. So when you, when you got out here, like say from that, so you're doing all that stuff to help yourself, and see that point you made, like say when you removed all of those things from your life, and it was nothing but time. That is what I can honestly say because look, I'm not a mentor like he is, right? But you know that I got off drugs a long time ago, and I do my best, like in jail. You know, I verbal the boys. I'm always sometimes I'm a bit like uh, disrespectful my verbals. They hate my guts. They, like, you know what I mean. But anyways. Uh, we all got our methods, but I found the boys, like how you mentioned that time, that is the thing that kills the boys the most. It's like it's so easy to tell the boys, bro, stop doing that. Don't do that rubbish, bro, bodgy. And then they go, all right, all right, I'll stop. And then they got nothing to do. And they're not comfortable or used to being by themselves with nothing to do. They got this urge that is, it's instilled in us when we're young. It's like, you need to be doing something. Where's your money? Where's this? You're not doing, you know? And so feeling that time is what after two, three weeks, a lot of the boys who are trying to change their life, they sit there and go, oh, what am I doing? I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah. True. So, but after you've done that, like a lot of the stuff to help yourself, you got yourself in the headspace and you've done all that. How did that change to, what's the point like, because you don't – tell me all the stuff you're doing now and how did that start, bro? How did you get be doing it for everyone else now? Yeah, no, so that's where it all started. I, I was I was really like sitting with myself and going, okay, you know, what can I what can I do, you know, to put money in my pocket? Mm -hmm. But something that's going to make me happy. I tried to like get back into footy and get a contract and do all of yeah. that. 
but it was too time consuming yeah, for yeah. a twenty five year old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm not sure. sixteen, living at my mum's house, getting yeah, dropped yeah, off yeah. at the footy park every day. Yeah, um, and then big I, commitment, eh? It is and starting late too. Twenty five, it's starting late for yeah. footy as well. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Is. And then I was like, all right, I don't want to do a construction job because. It's not a good environment for me, and if somebody yelled at me, um, they wouldn't leave whatever site I'm working on. I say the exact <laughs> yarn, but I say to everyone, parole officers, counsellors, why do you get a job? I don't like getting told what to do, but leave it at that. There's no threats here, yeah. but like, yeah. Yeah, and then I thought, you know what? Um, when I was doing counselling, there were some young lads hanging out the front of the centre, and all they did was go into this centre to do piss, to make a sandwich, and they'd piss off back outside. Redfern. Yep. Redfern Waterloo. Yep, yep. So I'm there doing counselling, and I walk out, and I talk to them. Hey, my little brother, what's your name? I already know who they are. Mm. I've been in jail with their dads. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been in drug houses with their, like, family. Yeah, yeah. They don't know who I am because I've been off the scene for a long Mm. time. So these people that are working in the youth centre think I'm like some wizard because they don't engage with anyone. And I had them for an hour talking to me about school, skateboarding, and they went, you know what, have you ever thought about being a youth worker? And I was like, can somebody like me be a youth worker? Yeah, yeah. And that's how it started, man. That's it. That's how it started. That's it. So, so they seen your ability to connect on that level yeah. and, they t- and you're like, what, me? Yeah, I was like, me? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then uh, then it sparked something in me, man, and and like I'm I, I'm not religious, but I do believe in the universe, and yeah. it reveals itself when 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 you're on the right vibrations, man, and doing the right thing. They ended up asking me, "Do I want to be a youth worker?" So then I started studying and doing TAFE. Then they offered me a job. Hectic. That was just one day a week, twenty two dollars an hour. My first ever legitimate job. And doing something, oh, I might cry, bro. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and in something that you would find so easy, easy, easy. Because I understand. But if someone paid me, honestly, if I wasn't doing this, what I'm doing now, and to say that someone like really said, go sit with the young lads, tell them, and just like you know, to, to get paid. So for some people, that it's hard. Yeah. They got to like prepare themselves. What do I say? But we're no. just like talking, no. like talking to the young lads. You know and what it mean? comes natural because yeah. the situations we've been yeah. been in, and the same way I approach them is the same way if a brother would come into jail yeah. and you could see if he was worried, yeah, if yeah. he's never been there before. That's how I talk same, to kids, yeah. man. Hey, my little brother, how are you? What's but going where was on? his job? You mind like saying? I can't you don't say have to say name. it, but I can't say oh. their name. Yeah, they done me dirty. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they done me. Yeah, not they done me dirty, like like procedures, policies and laws, and I lost my working with children's check and they just like Yeah, that's you know? it. But back to back to me and the universe. Yeah. So the first day I started my first job, man, I found out that I was expecting my first child. Oh, no way. So my same first day. day that I worked a legitimate job and got paid for it, I found out I was gonna have a kid. Yeah. And fuck. To me, like that was that was that was me and the universe saying you're making the right choices. Yeah. You make I was you're making the right choices. Um, it's not that they done me dirty, but like I said, you know, to be a youth worker with a criminal record, um, there's a lot of hoops you got to go through. Is there? there I am curious about there that. There is, um, particularly where. So, the legislation and the law around it is they took ownership because they knew I had a criminal record. Yep. They didn't have to ask me what I've been to jail for. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that they had to ask is, have I been in for sexual assault, mm-hmm. arson, murder, um, you know, touching kids. Kid-related stuff. All of those, like, really sort Yeah, the of, putrid things. Yeah. yeah. And- Arson? Because, 
Yeah, starting a fire. Yeah. Oh, because I guess people that start fires are a bit out yeah, of you going. Can, you I, can't work. Anywhere, that makes mate. sense. <laughs> if you've been you're starting fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. So what happens now is it alerts the department that they've hired someone with a criminal record. Yeah. And that's called the Office of the Children's Guardian, and they went, "You can work there, but we need to do an assessment to see if we can approve you to work there." Yeah. Because of how long my involvement was, their investigation took two years. Yeah. So I worked. So I had a child. Yeah. Uh, I think I got married. I was expecting my second child, and then a bar came back, and they said, "You can't do youth work no more." After two years. After two years of being legitimate, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing footy, living my best life, paying and bills. And progressing well in your job. Doing everything I need to do. You know, life's good. And then they say, yeah, yeah you, you can't. can't do youth work no more. And like I, I suffered mentally from it, man. I relapsed. Yeah. Um, that's uh, Yeah. And I ended up back in jail and, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's later yeah. down the track. Oh, no way. You went back, bay. Yeah, I yeah, went yeah, back, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, just for fucking stupid. And so things. what, then you redirected your, you, you wanted know, to maintain that, the, yeah. what the, you wanted that sense, a job that had that sense of achievement, yeah. but you had to redirect that. Yeah. So before I went back to jail, I built a consultancy mm -hmm. um, to try and, use my my knowledge of of you know the criminal justice system child protection juvenile justice the adult system and try to help these organizations mm. engage people like me and you you know people that, yeah. that have had really complex lives and direct them in the right way because you made it here by yourself yeah, yeah. i made it here by myself 100%. these fully funded like programs they aren't saving no one. I haven't even got a sniff of them. <laughs> they, but they haven't. Thirteen years jail. I haven't even never know nothing about them. But yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm never going to put myself through something like that again. I'm never going to put the welfare of myself and you know the reliability of a stable income to take care of my kids and my family yeah. without doing crime and yeah. doing shifty things. I just want to sure. be legit. Yeah. I'm never going to put that in the hands of anyone else. And yeah. in 2000. Well, 2018, three years ago, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, we started We started just doing a youth program down the road here at the Peter Forsyth. Yeah. And that's because of, like us as kids, our communities were being over-policed. Mm -hmm. So these little kids would go out there on a Saturday, shoot hoops in their own neighbourhood. They live in the complex just there next to Broadway. Mm. And the police would oh, come. Oh, basketball court down in yeah. Glebe, yep, yep. The police would come and harass them and move them on. Yeah, and, of course. They and, yeah. you know, these kids are living in homes that I grew up in yep. too. And if home was safe and there's resources in there, they wouldn't be on the street. Yeah. So I went, you know what? The only way I'm going to do this is I do it myself. And for two years, man, me and my wife volunteered was whilst doing all of the um, due diligence in the background to get the charity. So doing mm -hmm. all of the legal frameworks and policies and all of that to register the charity. And yeah. um, in 2018, man, we registered Deadly Connections. And yeah. We um, built the first uh, Aboriginal community-controlled charity in New South Wales to fight the child protection and justice system, man. Legit. Yeah. That's off chops, brother. And now, what, three years later, um, so there's my, my wife, who's the CEO and, and founder. Mm -hmm. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO. I have a team leader. Who's, who's a lovely lady, Trinka. I have another caseworker. You met him at Uncliff. Yeah, yeah, Dean, yeah. he was working with yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a lawyer, bro. I've got a lawyer Hectic. who works for me um, doing uh, court reports yeah. to battle pre-sentence reports. So when you go for sentencing and parole yeah, yeah, yeah. puts in a report, well, we put it in our own report. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it's like a, like a counter report. Yeah. Didn't even know that thing existed. <laughs> 
it does now. It does now. Does now. now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's called our Bug Me Justice program. But that's hectic. You know, for me and my experience, and you've grown up in multiple postcodes here in the yep. neighborhood. I want to build a safer and more connected community. I want my boys to walk in these postcodes like we did, but yeah. safer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not getting That's harassed gross. by police, not getting harassed by other kids trying to yeah. gang up on them, making them comfortable here because the only way we're going to take care of like this madness out here and make sure that everybody's got a safe home, man, is if we do it. Because sure, if we leave mate. it up to everyone else... It's going to be what always is. And hate doing big things, but I feel like I'm learning here. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> nah, but um, but, but I want to know, lad. This, it's I know it's you. This may pale in comparison to the significance of the things you're actually yeah. doing. But you spoke in front of the UN, bro. Like it's. Yeah. I want to hear about it. So that came about, as you can see, I can talk a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough, but through my boys I'm in jail, man, I left school at year eight with the basic reading and writing, yep. but at every chance I got, I got to pick up a book. I yep. wouldn't do it in front of the boys because I didn't want them Are to- Are you reading on the slime yourself, huh? <laughs> yeah. Loving the lock-in days, eh? <laughs> yeah. He's up and killed up. Right? What are you doing up there? Nah, just looking at Orno's lad. He's reading Roald Dahl. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah, but, but, and, and that, that, that's, that's how I sort of got to where I am. Fuck, sorry, I had a brain freeze. Yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah, and I'm saying like the, the, the UN bar, like how yeah. did that come about? What so, did you go there for? What did you say? Who, what? So before the UN came about, man, I, I, I spent, um, fuck, funny enough, I, like I have sort of like a public sort of speaking profile. Mm -hmm. um, man, in 2016, I got to speak at the Opera House yeah. in front of- oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, in, follow, in front of um, philanthropists and it was in partnership with Documentary Australia Foundation. It's on YouTube, yeah. my first ever public speech. No way. Yeah, um, and I raised a hell of a lot of money to do an impact campaign for a doco. That sparked people's interest and in listening to what I've got to share. Yeah. Um, and that led into advocating now Yep. For different, uh, what can I say? Different, different things, man. Like um, one of the spaces I hold now is like raising the age of criminal responsibility from ten to fourteen, mm -hmm. um, and that then was the catalyst for me to go to the UN because yep. here in Australia we arrest children as young as ten, take them from their homes where they're safe, take them from their communities, yep. and we put them in police stations, and then we strip search them, and we put them in places that have damaged people like me and you, yep. and they continue doing That's it. That's crazy, today. eh? Ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds, twelve-year-olds. That is crazy. Yeah, and think about when you went in. Yeah. I went in at fourteen, yeah, and the same, boys were yeah. around us. They went in at yeah. eleven. Yeah, they, they were veterans. Yeah, already. yeah, you're right. You're right. Reby was full of like this dead set like primary school kids that will go to Reby. Yeah. Primary school kids. I know some of you might be thinking, but primary school children, like they're, you got to think about right? it. Yeah, they're children. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That was it. So they were they they were doing a big national campaign trying to get the government man to raise the age, and we had to plead and put this argument forward as to why they shouldn't lock kids up, mm. rather than them telling us why they should be locking kids up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. had to provide all of this like. Um, Psycho psycho yeah, back to front, eh? academic mm. papers, research to say this is the damage you're causing to young children. Yeah. And they're just like playing blind. So they um, got they got a seat at the Human Rights Council in Geneva yeah. in, in the United Nations. And I was asked, man, to go and Geneva's speak. in Switzerland? Yeah. Switzerland, eh? Yeah. Dead set. So you flew over to Switzerland? Oh, bro, that's a whole nother. Yeah. Mental? <sighs> I was, Special like cars, like you got a chaperone and that. No, nah, no, nah, nah. all right, all right. But, but I, I think it was Eddie had Eddie had. Yep. So 
already left the country before that. So I got to go take my um, kids on a holiday to Vanuatu. So me and my wife and my two boys went yeah. away. I never left the country by myself ever. Yeah. I would have to travel on a plane 22 hours halfway around the world by myself. It's the exact other side of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the first leg um, was from Sydney to Abu Dhabi, I think. Yeah, yeah Abu yeah. Dhabi. And change over. Oh, that scared the shit. Bro, I went to sleep like three times and I woke up and we're still flying. No way. We'll be spinning out, eh? And I was like, fuck. Then, like, I started getting, like, paranoid. So I called the, like, the food, the, the service, like, I've never witnessed anything was like gone. that. She came down, give me, like, double scotch, boom, hit it. No way. Double scotch, <laughs> hit it. And then no, I went to sleep and I woke up in Abu Dhabi. Um, I, my mind was just, like, going overboard it was three o'clock in the morning it was about 48 degrees no way. yeah and when you get when you get on the tarmac the airport is that big that they have to bring a bus to get you from the plane to drive you to the terminal yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm on the tarmac for about a minute and a half filming yeah 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 i go and buy a coffee in the in the coffee shop it cost me 45 australian dollars what a <laughs> legit coffee bro what the? Because they are rich, eh? I don't know how they what? go about how does these that come prices in the market. And it was putrid. Like I've had a better coffee in Darcy. Forty-five dollars, bar. <laughs> but I complain here five dollars thirty. Yeah. I'll never go back five dollars thirty. Don't ever buy food if you travel. Don't buy food in a plane terminal. In a plane terminal. They make money, my eh? But when you spoke in the UN, though, yeah. You know, when I picture the UN, I picture that place where they all around. Yeah. Like all the world leaders, <laughs> tell me, do you speak there, right? Nah, so 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 that there, there's all different sort of um chambers. Yeah, yeah. At the all UN, right, yeah, yeah. And where that is 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 that's the like world leaders. The meeting. world leaders, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just and that when you see my one, so they had to prep me. So yeah. I only had like a minute and twenty five seconds, but it's like a hot seat. Oh yeah. So they have a roster. And then, like, they line up three at a time. Yeah, yeah, I know, I But know, then you've got yeah, to put yeah. this dial on your ear because, like, there are other nations in that and they translate for you. Yeah. So while I'm talking, this other guy from another country is, like, fumbling around in the back and you could see me giving him dirties on the- It would have thrown you off. Oh, bro, bro, so what you got, what? so it's like how it's treated, it's like you're lucky to be here, this is your seat, quick, get yeah. on, get on, and you, get, you do your spill and you're off. For the first time in my life, that was the first time I ever read from a script and you can sort of see it. Oh, know? yeah? Yeah, I think it's on YouTube, man, and yeah, please yeah, yeah. go check it out. Um, it was one of what the is most, it? What's the video called? So this is Keenan Mundine, you win, man. Yeah, 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 man. Um, that was one of the most proudest moments in my life, yeah, man. Yeah, I can like, imagine, bro. After I finished the speech, I was on that much of a high, like – People don't know this, but weed's legal in Switzerland. Yep, yep, yep. So you can go into 7-Eleven and buy weed. No way. I didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> so I came out and like bought some weed and yep, went back in. Man, I had a fucking joint in the United Nations. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. on, the, on, the, on the lawn, overlooking yeah. the lawn. With, um, you can see the Swiss Alps in the background. You can see Mont Blanc in the background. That would have been crazy. That would have been surreal. And that's when I nearly had a breakdown, man, like. I, it hit me reality. Fuck, I'm like halfway around the world. I don't know anyone here. If anything yeah. happens to me, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. only going to find out. But I was like, how did this happen, man? Like, I yeah. never planned it. I never mapped it out. I never made no three-point plan, no yeah. ten-point plan. 
I just woke up and lived in my truth and spoke it and done what I was passionate about and it got me all the way over there, man. That's crazy. So you that's the way you see it. You never I didn't ever plan to do this plan. Do you just you just done what you done and the path you feel like the path was laid out in front of you? Yeah. I just I just woke up every day, man, and just wanted to do what nobody else is doing and I wanted to do it for myself and I wanted to show you know, people that are still trapped, man, and, and, and have, like, difficult circumstances, like, to elevate your conscious, think bigger, yeah. better than what you're doing, learn new things yeah. every day, and don't let anybody tell you about who you are, what you can do, and where you're going to go. That's You know what, bro? It's, it's such a spin-out, like, that you say it like that, that you view it like that, because this is the exact same things that I say, and I even say in my book that's coming out, in the position I'm in, and I walk the streets, whatever, like, whatever I've achieved and whatever I'm doing, it's like, I don't know how, it's like, I never planned for this. It's just one day I didn't want to live that life, and I just started doing things that were positive, and I just, it just led me. However you say, you say, say the universe led you, and I, I, I believe that just God led me onto this this is path and I'm in this position and I sit here and sometimes it's surreal to me. I sit here and I was like, I don't know how I'm here. I don't know how I walk down the street and people yell my name. I don't know how I got a podcast. I don't know what's going on. But it's like sometimes you don't have to overthink it, you know? And I think like it's good if um it's, it's good just to, I just want to say like if you just do positive things and things that are real to you, the world will guide you and you'll get into a great place and, and you know, and it wouldn't have been an effort. It's not like you think, like, because, bro, like, I used to think to do anything good in the world was like a big effort. So how am I going to do all that? People say, don't do crime, don't do this. You got to, how am I going to do that? What, I got to do this and then plan that and do that? It's like, bro, you don't actually. Sometimes just having a heart in the right place and put an effort in and, and you know, something looks after you, bro, and takes you there. And I say the exact same thing. You said in a different way, but I feel like how you're saying that that you ended up there and you're like, what's going on, you know? Like, by doing just what you found true to you, bro, you know? There, there's there's a theory around the way we feel, the way we feel because of our experience, and it's called imposter syndrome, man. Yeah? Yeah, so we feel like imposters in this life because of the life we live, man. Bro, <laughs> that's so weird. Wait, till, if I remember he said that, and wait till you say towards the end of the book, that's already, so, so I'm not getting that from him, that's written. <laughs> But I say something so similar. It's like, bruh, like, it's, that's a known imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Like, but like, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, but, and sometimes I feel like I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, why? What, what, what's going on? Yeah. That's a, there's, there's a lot of things. And this is, like I said, I like to read, man, and I like to learn about how to take care of myself, how to heal, how to, how to you know, re, revisit my trauma and things, you know, that, that, that trigger me and how to take care of myself, man. Yeah. For, for a long time, we, we self-medicated to be able to push things away. 100%. And lo in life, you can't, man. You can't yeah. push things away. You just have to yeah, front them. And ev even though sometimes they're hard, man, it's hard. Like yeah. The hardest, the biggest like lessons for me and the, and the hardest ones were the biggest ones, man. Yeah. Growing pains, like getting, getting out of it. Yeah. But to, to end up in the UN... To end up in Switzerland, even to go down to Lake Geneva was a blowout. I had to swim in Lake Geneva. I'm watching like 17-year-old girls drive past in Veyrons, and I'm like, if I seen you in the city like 10 That's years ago. That's how it ago, is over there? Yeah, 10 oh, years ago, wow. you're in the city. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it would have been game on. Like Ferrari, like back-to-back. -back, yeah. Fucking, I went, I went 
I went to the Richard Muir shop and to get in there, I had to show them my bus passport and book a time to go in and I had security doors. I was in there trying on watches worth more no, than well, houses. I haven't even heard of it. What's it called? Richard Mill. Oh, yeah. Some- Yeah. $500,000 watches. No way. That's euros. No way. Million yeah. dollars. I went in there and I'm like perspirating, shaking. <laughs> There's no yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but there's been like a man. We can talk for hours, yeah. bro. I've, I've been. Well, how do you? But like, so, what 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 consumes your day? What is your day today? So today, today, like what what consumes out. your? What is your week? Like what is your main focus now? I know you you got that place at Arncliffe. And no, we lost it. We oh, lost, you lost it. it. Yeah, and then we moved to Dalichul, and yep. we've, we're about to lose that. Um, but it's 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 around business, man. Le- learning business. I think the biggest thing for for young followers out there, man, the biggest lesson I learned to take care of myself, like, I mean, like really take care of myself financially, like emotionally, all of that is learning the difference between an asset and a liability. So people that are going to get me to where I need to be and people that are going to bring me down, things that are going to get me to where I need to be and things that are going to pull me back. For me, learning all of that, and that's now driving me to build a sustainable business, man. The game plan for me is to make myself and my staff redundant, to make sure that there are kids in schools, mums and dads are looked after, there's drug and alcohol treatments for them, there's you know psych treatments for them, they're getting medicated, like being treated like they should be. Yeah, and you're actively doing that now around Redfern, Waterloo oh, area. Everywhere, man. So we, I know you do basketball. Yeah. Tell me, the, you do barbecue because Columbia, though, for four weeks, uh, eight weeks ago, come down, bro. Yeah. Kenan's got a barbecue. You so, do barbecues on the nah, weekend or something? So it's a men's group, bro. Yep, yep. Um, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do when I was in the position was to come back and sit with my brothers and sisters, mainly my brothers that are still yep. trapped, yep. and give them access to something different. Yeah. Because I know and you know how hard it is when you're in a state and and you can't leave a postcode yeah, and your yeah. world is in that postcode. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I'm going to bring my world to you. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to sit with you. Yeah. We'll have a munch and a yarn. I'm not going to pressure you to do anything, but I'm going to tell you everything that I'm up to, to hopefully motivate you mm. to go, you know what? I don't need the needle no more. I'm going to come off the methadone. I'm going to I'm going to move out of mum's house and get my own house. Yeah. You know, that's that. Was before um, coronavirus every Thursday yep, yep, in the TJ Hickey Park, so yep. Raglan Street, mm-hmm. where, where they killed TJ. We used to, I'd just go down, take some pizzas, kick it with the boys. But now I'm in a better position because I got donated to um, Seven Seater LDV vans. Yeah. So the plan is now to get the brothers, go get them in them the van, yep. and get them out of the hood. Yeah, hectic. And show them the other things. We'll go to the casino, have a feed. We'll go, yeah. you know. Hit the back nine out out Maroubra. Yep, yep, get yep. them out. We'll go go karting. Yeah, um, man, driving big, range. And like then the other part. thing is to try and bring bring it up for my Aboriginal brothers to bring culture back to them. Yeah, yeah, because the 100%. more I can embed culture into their lives, the more they're going to move away from that stuff. For sure. So they bring back the, the sense of pride. That's it. Hundred percent. Like I try not to overcomplicate things, man. And and working for other NGOs, like bureaucracy, slows work down. Mm. And this is why I'm so happy to be able to represent myself and and have the backing of my board. I've got like really solid people, man. Like you're what I've built, man. And. In, that's in partnership with my wife. So I also have a good partnership with the, another guy down the road. Yep. Um, he's at UTS. His name is George Newhouse. Mm-hmm. And he um, is the CEO of the National Justice Project. And he takes up a lot of the fights for deaths in custody, man. 
Yeah, does he? Yeah. Nice, yeah. And, and and to be be privileged enough to have access to people like that yeah. was so busy. So he's in WA, he's in Northern Territory flying around and they nice also man. like get me to go down to Parliament. So last like Monday night I was on NITV talking about COVID in the prisons. Yep, yep. Um, not, I, I hope, you know, all of your fans know about what's happening in there and the lack of transparency around corrective services. Mm -hmm. And now just before I got here, there's a COVID outbreak at John Maroney. My brother's there. Yep. My brother's there with his Is brother. He? And they're two out. Oh, yeah. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your brothers are two out. Yeah. And That's, so COVID yeah. just hit there. Um, because they haven't had... Uh, when you saying they haven't had visits for like yeah months no months no nah. and, like no vi anyway. and, and and lockdowns like yeah. lockdowns so some of the jails as we know yeah. they don't have showers in them yeah, yeah, yeah and and they're not telling us what they're doing they're not telling us um for the boys to get access to psychs counselors no they're just locking them in so i want to know Can't imagine. The plan. Like jails just putrid on a good day uh, but like in the best of times like imagine jail like when no visits, no contact with your family. You're talking months. No yeah. contact with your newborn babies. Not leaving your cell days, weeks on end. You just wake up, they kick you in food. Yeah. Kick wasn't an expression. They mm. kick you in food, close your door until you're getting out tomorrow and you're just there like looking yeah. at the wall. A lot of people don't even have a radio. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not like it's anyway. Jail's like, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm in a hundred different pockets, so I just um, got one another proud moment, man. Um, we released a, a documentary called Incarceration Nation. I hope they go Where's check it. Um, it's on SBS demand, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Um, that was the first time Incarceration that, Nation. So it was the first time the narrative of the impact of colonial colonialization here yep. in Australia has led to the like diminishing numbers of my people. Yeah. So in seventeen eighty eight we made up a hundred percent of the population. We make yep. up two percent now. Two percent now. But yeah. we make up over like twenty two percent in prisons. Yep. Um, the women are on the rise. When I was in the UN giving my speech about raising the age in the Northern Territory, in the boys' home, it was 100% Aboriginal kids. No way. 100% Aboriginal kids. Yeah, far out. So it, it talks about the stolen generation. It talks about them, like when they first came here, they wiped us out. Then it talks about policies and laws that were passed and how... This system isn't broken. Mm -hmm. It's very well funded and designed to keep people entrenched in the criminal justice system. Yeah. Because like for me and you, we don't have a normal life. Yeah. If you was to come out and try and get a lease and a job with a criminal record, your chances but are bunkers. I've, ne I've never even tried to get a job. I work smart, not hard, and <laughs> I work for myself now. I'm yeah. a proud non-participant. But <laughs> bro, like having said that, I'm in this position now, like I own a business I have a certain amount of money. I still can't rent a place. Yeah. I still can't rent a place. Lucky I live with my missus. She rents the places. That's the system we live in. Yeah. I could have a amount of money and own a business and I can be here and there and you can see me all over YouTube and I still can't rent a place. Yeah. Like there's, there is some things wrong like, but I'm lucky I've got ways around it, you know? But yeah, you're, what you said is 100% yeah. right. And so I can imagine for me being in that position, Imagine other people. Imagine they had like, there's people out there, you got to understand people living this life, they have little glimpses of wanting to do better. They really do. They have little glimpses. And if in those little glimpses, the ability to do better isn't there, mm. it goes. And it might not come back for another six years. 
You know, there is little glimpses that if the right things are right there or something in life can actually be achieved, like driving a car and getting a job and getting a house, those people will literally stop living that life. They may have a moment like I had or like Keenan had, but it's that quick. you got to understand these people, they don't know any better that if you miss that opportunity, if they come up to one obstacle, you know how the boys are, one obstacle and then, yeah, fuck this, man, a good, but fuck them anyway. Like yeah. they're real defensive. Yeah. I can't, then as soon as they'd have found out they can't get a job, fuck them anyway. Yeah. yeah, I can't get a job, watch this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like those little barriers that might seem like, oh, you come in the house or oh, poor you. It's like that, that changes the difference between how many people getting robbed, how many houses getting broken Both. into. It's not just about them. It's also about all the things that would be stopped if mm. that didn't exist. So, hey. So, I want to encourage them. If they have businesses or friends that own businesses, hire someone with a criminal record. You know, like me and you, yeah. man, once you get that opportunity and you're hungry, we're the most loyal people in the world, yeah, mate. And if you don't give them a job and you don't, like, let them come through your front door, they're going to be coming through your back door. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And this is how that's I say it one. to people. Like, <laughs> I if like you don't, that saying. If you don't want to give them a job, they're going to like participate yeah, and still be for, in it. For sure. Yeah, let me in the front door, be coming through the back door. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a line in a rap suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but far out, what else, man? Um, Bro, look, the, the amount of things that you're doing, like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like I don't even need to recap and paint that in. Look, look, what a story. Look what he's doing and- Say, so, bro, for all the listeners out there, like all the people watching or listening, it's like um, if they want to help, you know, what can they do, bro? Like, There's heaps of things they can do, man. I think the easiest easiest things at the moment is jump on our socials and stay up to date with what we're which doing. Which are? Um, Deadly Connections. We're on like Instagram, Facebook, um, and for the higher level listeners, we're on Twitter too. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, 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 we dabble in a little bit of LinkedIn here and there. Yeah. Um, but they're our main socials. Um, when you jump, I jump on my website, um, www.deadlyconnections.org.au. Yeah. Uh, if people want to volunteer, if people want to donate, there's like ways to get involved. And there are multiple ways to get involved. And, you know, we rely heavily on donations, man. Yeah. I think the biggest thing to say about how hard we've worked and getting to this space is we get no recurring funding from local council or government. And at probably last check, we probably have about 15% capital from government. That's The rest is from philanthropists and people who want to donate and running um, don- donations and, and, and advocacy, man. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. well, that's it. That's it. If you want to help, he's heard it, eh? Like, what more can I say? The brother, he's, he's great stories, you know what I mean? Like, look where he's gone, look where he's been. That's in itself, he said enough. That's it, brother. <laughs> Big things, bro. Nah, full legit, bro. I'm so proud of you, bro. That's crazy. Thank you. Like, uh, the honesty. Honestly, no, that is crazy. You, like, yeah, thank you, bro. But, like, uh, honestly, it pales in comparison to what you're doing. And No, you that, don't need to measure, man. You're yeah. doing your own thing, brother. I'm serious. It, and it takes brother. hard work and dedication, and, and it's easy to say yes. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying no, and you're taking care of you, bro. Like... Hey, I'm gonna cry. I'm serious, bro. Nah, like it's a salute you, to real G's, bro. We yeah, fucking work bro. hard and we yeah, live in silence, right. bro. That's it, bro. Eight one. I'm out. That's the search. <laughs> <laughs>